Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on, has God been good to you? Give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all for coming tonight for our last session of financial February. Amen. We've had a whole month, and we've been talking about finances, and, uh, and I believe that God has been using some of it to help us and, uh, and to help us live an abundant life. Amen. Hallelujah. How many thankful for what we felt on Sunday? Amen. I'm thankful for the word that we received. I'm thankful for all that God did and the ministry of Brother Rowley. And, uh, and just uh, he just came and blessed us. And I felt to have him come. And uh, I meant to mention this uh, on, on, on Sunday uh, when I introduced him. But we were just having a move of God. He's actually on our board here at the church. And so uh, he's, he's a great person, um, full of wisdom. And I want to surround myself with men of God like that. Amen? Amen. Well, at this time, I'd like to have the ushers, if they could. They're going to be passing out the lessons. They're going to have two different lessons, one from last week uh, because the printers weren't working, and one for this week. You can take those home, and, uh, and you can go through them. You may be seated for a few moments here tonight as they get ready to pass those forward to you. You don't want to miss this upcoming Sunday. Reverend Antoine Irvin from Birmingham, Alabama, is going to be preaching. Uh, he's, a, he's a minister out of uh, Brother Barry Sutton's church in Birmingham. We had the privilege of preaching uh, a revival there, a few revivals actually, and uh, just a wonderful church full of uh, fervor and spirit. And I told him anytime he's around, he just needs to let me know. And so he's coming back. His wife's from San Jose, California. And so I, I told him, I said, man, you're coming. We'd love for you to be there. That's why we didn't announce it yet. I wanted to make sure that the weather was going to allow him to get over the hill. And so we're looking forward to having him with us. And it's going to be a great time in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. We're getting these all handed out, passed out in Jesus' name. As they're doing that, I also want to announce, uh, for those that weren't there on Sunday, we still have more pledge cards available. Uh, we will have the count. On Sunday, there will probably be more that come in after that, but we're just going to give what did come in. So if you were not here or not able to fill one out, you're welcome to do that, and, uh, and you can just drop that in the offering plate uh, on Sunday, or you can even just drop it and slide it under the office door, and uh, we'll make sure that gets counted. Amen. Hallelujah. Looks like we get it. Brother Christian, you want to help him out? Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Michelle is doing a great job. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's get started here tonight. We're going to be talking as they hand these out to you and get them to you. We're going to be talking about financial future. We're going to be talking about taxes and retirement. Everybody say that, taxes and retirement. Everybody got excited on that second one, but that first one, taxes, uh, retirement. And, uh, and, and that's how it is, amen. Let's get into this here tonight. 
And then we've got some questions that we're going to get through, and then we'll have some snacks and refreshments, and uh, you'll be blessed by that in Jesus' name. Amen. Taxes and retirement. Most people don't understand how taxes work. Would you agree with that? <laughs> and yet we are all required to pay them. It has become a fearful subject for most, even though it's something that everybody does. It has led to an entire industry that capitalizes on the public's fear. The tax preparation industry makes an estimated $11 billion in the U.S. alone. So for those who are looking to start a business, if you're good with numbers, there's one for you. Uh, because somebody's going to be afraid of what you're willing to learn. You can do your own taxes, but most people are afraid to miss something. Would you agree with that? Okay. But nobody wants to end up being in trouble with Uncle Sam, the tax man. So the question is, should we be afraid? No. Because taxes are a part of life. Now, many would uh, think to themselves, why is it that the U.S. government puts the burden on the people to tell the government what they owe them? Has that ever question made somebody confused? If I owe you money, you're going to tell me what I owe you, right? Hey, that'd be great. Just send me a bill. Tell me what I owe you. Everybody else does it. Every utility company tells me how much I used. And they give me a bill, but not the U.S. government. They let you calculate what your bill is and then penalize you if you're wrong. I think that's pretty terrible. However, however, we're going to talk about really the reason behind why they do that. Because only you know your financial situation on a personal level. Level. You are not just a number, you are a name, you have a story, you have life. And so there is a benefit to telling the government what you owe them. And uh, although they, they already kind of know. So for the people that wonder, does, does the government know how much I owe them? Uh, if, you are, uh, if you are employed somewhere, they, they know exactly how much you owe them. But uh, amen. It was said by Benjamin Franklin that in this world, uh, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. How many has heard that? Death and taxes. So here's the first question that we are brought to. Do Christians pay tax? Man, wouldn't that be great if we just got, a, we just got ourselves a, a little pass because we're Christians? I think we'd have the greatest revival America has ever seen if you could say, because I'm a Christian, I don't have to pay taxes. But the answer is, yes, we do. And let me help you out here tonight. Tax evasion is a criminal offense, and it is not something, I'm sorry, it is not something a Christian should participate in. I put two knots there because I, I thought I had missed it, and I was like, I thought it said it's something Christians should participate in. So please forgive me on that. I, I wanted to double up and make sure that somebody didn't start tax evading because the pastor said so. Um, but with that being said, there are many provisions in the tax code that we can take advantage of to lower our tax bill. And, uh, and, and what's the difference, if I could just start this off, what's the difference between the wealthy and the poor? 
It's often not the amount of money that comes in. It's the amount of money that goes out. And uh, there's a whole generation, and we've got we've to talk about this, that, that is saying, well, we should just tax the rich people more. As if somehow it's a blanket response. And today, even before uh, service, I've got a, a friend of mine here in Carson City. He's an economics teacher at one of the high schools. And so I, I asked him to sit down and talk with me about some of this. But, but there's this ideology that if I just make a blanket response and say, let's just tax everybody more uh, that make more, that I will all of a sudden pay for everything. But unfortunately, the people that make more also have more information. And they take advantage of that information. And so what we're not seeing is a wealth inequality, but an information inequality. Amen. But let's go back to Christians paying taxes for a moment. Mark chapter 12 and verse 14 through 17. I skipped parts of it, but this is in the ESV. They came to Jesus and they were testing him and they said, Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Man, I'd like to ask Jesus that question. And he said, bring me a denarius or bring me a penny and let me look at it. They brought him one and he said unto them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Jesus said unto them, render to Caesar's the things that be Caesar's and to God the things that be God's. Now the preacher in me wants to preach on that, but I'm not going to. Because what Jesus is really saying is the people belong to God. Amen. But what was Jesus saying? Pay taxes. You find another, another, uh, another time when in this same, same scenario where they're asking about taxes and Peter has a business and he needs to know how he's going to pay taxes. And he tells him, go, go fishing. Can anybody tell me what Peter's occupation was? He was a fisherman. You know what Jesus said? Go get a job. You got a tax bill? Get a job. Pay it off. Amen. Because in the fish's mouth was the coin he needed. Romans 13, 5 through 7. Paul is telling the church to be subject to the higher powers and all authorities of God. But this is what he says. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, because God doesn't look at tax evasion as a good thing either. But for the sake of conscience. And for those that don't know what he's talking about, he's talking about this right now. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Did you know that's in your Bible? I cannot believe the pastor talking about finances this month. There's actually a lot of it in the Bible. And he had to deal with it. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. The Bible is very clear that we are not to, we are not to avoid our financial responsibilities. We are to pay taxes. We are to pay wages. If you own a business, don't short somebody their wages. That's how they pay their bills. The Bible is very clear about this because if he said, if, if not only to avoid the wrath of God, because God doesn't look lightly on that, how many would like for their boss not to pay them? I'm waiting for the hands to go up. Nobody would like that, so don't be that kind of boss. And uh, he said, not only for avoiding the wrath of God, but also 
Make sure you do what is right because you should have a conscience that says it is not right to rip somebody off. And I'll take and put a plug here. If you sell something, do not rip somebody off. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't look for a way to gouge people and to rob them blind. Now, if you are providing a service and you are worth that service, charge what you're worth. Uh, but, but don't tell them that their hot water heaters broke when it's not. Amen. I've had a few people. How many has gone to, the, gone to go get their oil change? And, and they look at you and they realize you know nothing about cars. Uh, and they want to say, well, your, uh, your blinker fluid is gone. And they want to charge you for blinker fluid. There are people that that's how they operate in their own finances. They rob whoever they can rob. And even Jesus comes over and over again. He comes to Matthew, who's a tax collector. Matthew got saved. Yes, tax collectors can be saved. Uh, he goes and finds Zacchaeus, who's too short. But that shortness didn't stop him from robbing everybody else blind. Amen. But when he got saved, he went and paid back what he owed. Amen. And uh, that's true repentance right there in Jesus' name. And so let's talk about the basic understanding of taxes. Now, I've got it written down here so you don't glaze over like I made you do last week because you didn't have something to look at. Uh, we're going to get through this uh, quite rapidly. I'm going to do a very basic overview. Now, when I talk about taxes, I am not giving tax advice. So if you need to get tax advice, go see somebody else. Don't talk to me because I don't know your situation. Go find somebody who is a professional in this. But what I am presenting to you is basic facts that most of us were not taught in school. I talked to the economics teacher, and I asked him, do they teach about this? He said, no, they just talk about supply and demand and, you know, cost of oil prices. And I thought, but we all pay taxes. Why don't they teach us that? And uh, he didn't have an answer for that. So, all right, below is a small list uh, of what we call taxable income. Be below is a small list of the government considers taxable income. Your salary Minus the amount of money that you put into a retirement plan. Interest that you receive on bank accounts. Dividends on investments. Severance pay, bonuses, sick pay from your employer. Unemployment compensation, tips. If you have capital gains, which means you sold something higher than what you bought it, like a house or maybe a stock, and whatever the difference is, you pay capital gains on mutual funds and other investments. Those are all taxable income. Those are all things that we can look at and go, man, we, we all get taxed by that. What is not listed here is the taxes that you and I pay every day. You pay tax every time you get gas in your car. You and I pay tax every time we go to the store. And, uh, and so that is not including those taxes. Let's talk about non-taxable income. These are the things that are safe from Uncle Sam. Money contributed to a retirement account, such as your 401k or your IRA, which is also known as an individual retirement account. We'll talk about that a little bit later. If you get gifts for anybody, so if anybody wants to give you a gift of a million dollars, there's a way that you can get that tax-free. Again, this is not tax advice, but uh, there's some you can get gifts from people. There is a certain limit there to stop money laundering because they don't want people to be drug dealers. But uh, there's different things. Child care financed through a plan at work. So if you're paying for child care, uh, you might look into that as a way to no longer claim that income as taxable income, which saves you money. The 401k, money rolled in over from another plan. Child support receipts. This is the real world we live in. Amen. Next, there is something called adjustments. 
Because everybody wants to reduce his or her taxable income as much as possible. How many would like to give the government zero? That'd be awesome. I'm going to put my hand up. I'd love to give them zero. But the first place that you start in taking that number close to zero and still being right with God and with your conscience is you start by doing it by the tax code. You start with adjustments, which are special types of tax breaks or deductions that the government lets you subtract from your income and thus reducing the amount of tax you pay. This is the biggest difference between the wealthy and or the middle class and or the poor. It's how they utilize the tax code. We could talk about debt. We could talk about all these things. How many would love to take what they pay in taxes and pay off their debts? I think we all would. I would. Amen. That'd be great. There are ways, if you know how, to look at the tax code. You're not robbing anything. You're just following the law. But most people are ignorant to the tax code. Therefore, they don't take advantage of the tax code. And so, uh, and, and, and again, we're not trying to avoid paying taxes. We're not trying to go to prison. But we want to utilize everything available to us. Amen. An example of one adjustment that might save you quite a bit of money or taxable income is if you can contribute as much to a tax-sheltered account. Now, this is not an offshore account in Switzerland. This is not something in the Grand Caymans. Uh, this is something like an individual retirement account, a 401k. When you put it away, then you don't have to worry about them taxing you on that income. Amen. So therefore, you ended up putting that money in your own pocket instead of Uncle Sam's pocket. Let's talk about the difference between standard and itemized deductions. Deductions can be a beautiful, uh, it can be beautiful if you figure out which ones apply to you. Let me just put this out there. I'll put this in here. Don't go deduction happy. Well, I'm just going to write off the, the drapes. I'm going to write off because you can't, you can't just say, well, uh, um, you know what? I, I got a haircut today. That's a deduction. And, and I bought, I, you know, whatever the case may be, people think that they can just write anything off. If you don't know it applies to you, you might want to look into it and make sure it is, in fact, a true deduction that you can take. Only claim what you can prove applies to you. If it applies to you, you are not doing anything illegal. It applies to you. You might as well get every deduction that you can get. Everyone gets to choose between what they call a standard deduction and an itemized deduction. The goal is to use the one that most reduces your taxable income. Let's talk about standard deduction. This is what most people are, are going to be familiar with. If your financial situation is reasonably simple, and I'm going to break this down. If you don't own property, if you don't run a business from your home, if you don't uh, manage other investments, if it's seemingly cut and dry, you work a job, and that's it. You are typically best off taking the standard deduction. That, again, is not tax advice. That is just why they call it the standard deduction. The standard deduction is a fixed dollar amount that Congress allows all taxpayers to subtract from their income. Thank you, Uncle Sam. Even if they don't participate in any activities that are considered deductible by the government. They just say, okay, uh, and, and I don't have a recent number for you. This is, what your, this is what your standard deductions are. And most people just get on, you know, easy tax, turbo tax, and they click a button, and they're done, right? Well, it could be that you have enough itemized deductions to lower your tax bill. 
And if you are getting a return, how many would like to get a bigger return? Okay. Well, you might look into whether or not you have more itemized deductions. Let's talk about that. Itemized simply means listing the specific items that are deductible. Again, what applies to you, what applies to your business. Um, and there's a whole other subject we don't have time to talk about with people that have businesses. If you take everything you receive into your personal account, guess what? You're going to be taxable for all of it until you uh, have something like a business account where you can put it into the business account and just pay yourself what, you, uh, what you've earned, and uh, that's what is taxable. So a lot of these people that are well off, they have a business account or they have an account for their rental properties. All the money goes in there, it stays in there. Guess what? They don't have to pay tax on it. It's in a, it's, it haven't, I haven't taken it as earned income. And so there's a lot of different rules there. You can talk to a professional about that or have any questions that I might be able to answer. I can do my best to help you. Um, but, but this is when you take things that are current tax rules. Don't go back to the 80s or the 70s or the 60s and start claiming things. It changes every single year. And when you subtract their costs from your taxable income, that is what an itemized deduction is. This may be the best option for you if your financial life is somewhat complicated or if, for example, you've had a large number of medical bills or significant loss on a personal level, um, financial that is, and or on a business level, you can write things off. You can take maybe a work vehicle and you can depreciate it, which is only going to be beneficial if you don't plan on selling it. Amen. Uh, the following expenses can be itemized as legitimate deductions. All right. Taxes. Did you know that you can write off taxes for your taxes? Yes, you can. Uh, we, we are blessed because we don't have any local state taxes. Um, but you bought a house or you're buying a house. Maybe you own a house. You have to pay taxes on your home. You can write that off. Uh, maybe you have foreign taxes. You can write those off too. Uh, or just move, move there or move all your stuff over here. You don't have to pay both of them. Whatever saves you the most money. Um, personal property taxes, whether they be yours, your, your individual residence, or a rental property. Okay, here's one that we all are familiar with. We do it every year. Why do we hand out a little list of your giving statements? Because if your giving exceeds the standard deductions, you can save money. And that is a blessing. Now, we don't do it for the tax break. We do it because it's in the Word of God. However, we are blessed to live in a country that gives us a tax break for that. In fact, there are people that don't even go to church that give because they get the tax break. And uh, others that give other tr charitable organizations, you can use that as a deduction. Medical and dental expenses. Interest, interest expenses on mortgages, home equity loans, and real estate because you pay for interest every single month and you're able to take some of that and show the government so you can't tax me this much because I've already paid interest. Amen. So you don't have to pay interest and more taxes. And then finally, job expenses. All right, the following expenses can also be itemized, but only if they are 2% or more of your adjusted gross income. You can ask me questions about that later if you have any questions. But job-related car expenses, maybe your job is what you, you, you use, and, it, and, it, and your, your company doesn't give you a vehicle, but, they, uh, but you have to use your vehicle for the company. There's different ways to go about that. Again, all with the tax code. You're not lying. You're being truthful, and you're following the law. Uh, business expenses that are not covered by your employer. Maybe you bought something out of pocket for your job. 
A lot of teachers do this. Well, this is something you can say this is um, an expense that was not covered by my employer, but I needed it for my job. Educational expenses. Maybe you're going to go to school. You can write some of those things off. Professional dues, tools, uniforms, uh, legal expenses, and, and all, all that different stuff, so on and so forth. Tax preparation fees, when you pay somebody to do your taxes. Again, yes, you can all, we can all do our taxes, and you have to determine whether or not it is more beneficial for you to do your own taxes or if you get a tax professional. Now, I will give my personal opinion. Beware of H&R Block. <laughs> They're going to rob you. Uh, but maybe you know somebody that has a tax business, maybe a side, uh, a side tax business or somebody that's been doing it for a long time. I've got somebody that I have used, and they are a blessing. And uh, I had used TurboTax and all those things for many years, and I said, after, after he helped me, I said, could you go back and look at those? And I ended up getting a couple thousand dollars back uh, from years when I did my own taxes. So I made it up in my mind, it's worth it. I'll write them off. It's worth it for somebody else to do my taxes for me. And all I got to do is give him the information. And that's also a blessing. Investment fees, cellular telephones, if they are used for business, the cost of a home computer, if it's used for work. And just with everything else, you have to determine how much is used for work, how much is used for personal. Okay, does that all make sense? So you have standard or you have itemized. And every person has to look at their finances and, and find out whether or not they fall into either or category. Uh, but at the end of the day, you are trying to follow the tax code so you can save money. All right, let's talk about tax brackets. Has, this, has tax brackets ever confused anybody? It has confused the daylights out of me before. And uh, a tax bracket refers to a range of incomes subject to a certain income tax rate. Tax brackets result in a progressive tax system. That's what America uses. And uh, this is going to answer that. Why don't we just tax the rich more? We do. In which taxation progressively increases as an individual's income grows. Low incomes fall into, it, low, into a tax brackets with relatively low income tax rates, while higher earned uh, earnings fall into brackets with higher rates. I'll put a little chart there. Um, again, do not follow this. This is uh, for 2021. This is the filing jointly doesn't look at its itemizations doesn't look into whether you have kids it's if you're married and filing jointly and uh, and if you were to look at that little chart I know it's a little small I just did it for to change it up a little bit but uh, you're taxed typically this is again no deductions no anything if you make zero to nineteen thousand nine hundred that's this year um, then you are going to be sitting at about ten percent tax which means you're gonna pay this is tithing, right? 1990. Great year. All right, 1990. That's what you're going to pay. Now, let's say you get a raise but $1. How many would love that raise of $1? You now make $19,901. You now have a tax bill, approximately, I'm just giving estimates without any deductions, without anything else, of $1,990 plus 12% of a dollar. All right, so now you owe $1,990.12. All right, that's your tax bill. And it continues to go up from there. This is why uh, people that make a lot of money find ways to be creative with their money. They will buy a rental property. Because if I'm going to pay the government 
uh, $168,000, man, that'd be great. I'd love to have to write them a bill for that, a check for that. But, but if I had to write them a check for $168,000, I'm just going to buy a property for $168,000. Start another LLC and do some other things. That's, that's how it continues. That's why when people are all up in arms about, we want to see the tax records of, you know, President Trump. If he owes 700 bucks, it's because he's smarter than 99% of the rest of us. If he owes $700, my hat is off you. If you can make a billion dollars and owe $700 in taxes, you are doing it right, sir. But the common person that has not looked at this, has not looked at deductions, has not looked at, and they're complaining about the fact that they might be in a, a middle tax bracket and they pay, you know, uh, let's say they're, they're in the lower tax bracket, but they're paying, you know, 19900 and they're tired of paying $20,000 in taxes because they're middle class America. Well, if they would take advantage, like everybody else that understands this, they would also be paying 700 bucks too. Amen. Tax brackets can be confusing. How many, how many understands that it is important to have knowledge when it comes to taxes? Sure. like that, the standard deductions, right? Exactly, and that's where what we just talked about, the deductions make a big difference. Because if you have, if you are making 19900 you don't want to have to pay 1990 Well, if you have the standard deductions, which, uh, which you're probably about right, 14000 or whatever, well, then that actually means you, you made about five. Well, guess what? You're going to pay a little bit in taxes. It's the same deal as you go up the tax bracket. The more, uh, and typically, the more money that's coming in, uh, the more money that's going out. And so this is why some people do different things. Instead of giving it to Uncle Sam, what they'll do is they'll go buy themselves a new, a new property, a new car. They'll do all these different things because they'd rather not throw the money into the tax system. Now, if you want to do that, go for it. But tax brackets can be confusing. And that's why we're talking about it a little bit. It is important for us to at least take a cursory glance, and that's what we're doing tonight. Uh, there's obviously a lot more that we can all learn. Uh, every time I do any research on anything like this, I always come away learning something new uh, because I want to do my best. I would sure love to, to instead of handing the government, you know, $168,000 or whatever the case may be, if I happen to be in that tax rate, which would be awesome, I'd rather say, you know what? If I can write some of that off with charitable giving, why not build a church in another foreign country? Or why not, you know, there's all these other things we can do. Or maybe, man, let's just build another property here in Carson City. What, whatever the case may be. So uh, I also got to say the tax brackets, one thing, uh, there's a few things it's not including in this little chart. This is just your federal tax. Uh, it is not including Social Security tax. We all have to pay for that. It's not including Medicare. It's not including unemployment. And uh, those are percentages of your income. And so there's, there's more than just that, and it gets kind of confusing. Now, let's, let's go to a question that I know is going to be asked and has been asked. Do I want to have buying power, or do I want to pay less taxes? I'll break that down. 
In other words, should I take less deductions so I, so I can show more income to the lender so they will approve me for a loan? The answer is this is a personal decision. But you have to look at it from where are you currently at? Are you looking to buy a home? Well, if you write everything off and show you made, after everything's done, you made $700 this year and you go to get a loan, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, no, because you don't have any income. And it's a catch-22 because if you have income, you are taxed on the income. And if you don't have income, you can't get a loan. So you have to pay taxes, that's how they get you, in order for you to get a loan. And so you have to look at your personal situation and, and, and figure it out, okay, in the next year or so, am I going to be needing a new vehicle? Am I going to need to get a loan? Or am I wanting to purchase a home? Well, you're going to need to show income for that. So guess what? Unfortunately, you might be able to take $50,000, $600,000 of tax deductions. I don't know what you make, but you, you might be able to take $10,000 of deductions. You might not want to, though. So you then pay taxes at a higher level so that you can go into the banker and say, I make enough money. Can I please have the home loan? And this is especially important uh, to business owners. And somebody said, amen. Okay, let's, let's continue on. So that's taxes. And, uh, and, and I wanted to just give a brief overview. And, uh, and so when it comes to that, we do pay taxes. There are tax provisions. There are deductions. There are adjustments. There's a lot of good things we can do to help our tax situation. Uh, but you have to make it up in your mind whether or not you feel comfortable doing your own taxes, whether you pay somebody to do your taxes, and also what your financial goals are. Amen. All right, let's move on to retirement and investing. Again, this is an overview. I'm not giving advice. I'm just giving an overview. I'm not trying to cross swords with anybody because when you start talking about finances, uh, sometimes people can get things and take it a little offensively. That's not what we're doing here today. We're literally just defining out some things. Okay, uh, this is the question. What is your financial plan for the future? It's been said, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Too many people live for today without regard for tomorrow. This is a scary fact because tomorrow is coming. I know what the Bible says. No man's promised tomorrow. You're right. No man's promised tomorrow. But if, it, if God doesn't show up, <laughs> tomorrow comes. The sun will rise tomorrow and your bills will be due. You may be 45 right now, but just so you know, if God tarries and you're healthy... 65 is coming. Do you have a plan to work forever? Who would just love to work forever? Never take a day off and you'll be 6,000 years old and, man, you're still working. And uh, this is some people's plan. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people, they just love it. They're going to work until they collapse. That's, 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 that's great. Um, but, but hopefully that's not the case because you didn't plan. Does that make sense? So if you, if you work until the day you croak because you love to work, that's awesome. But if you do it because you didn't plan, uh, well, unfortunately, that's going to be a factor of life. The financial decisions that we make today have a huge impact on our future. A wise man in my home church once told me, plan like you'll live past 100, but live for Jesus like he's coming back tonight. You've got to make plans like Jesus is never coming back. 
because there have been generations that have made poor decisions, not old generations, but people in certain generations, because, well, Jesus is coming back. Why get an education? Amen. Why do this? Why save? Why invest? And then now they're like, Jesus, could you hurry up and come back? Because I don't have a plan. Well, if we plan our lives like Jesus is never returning, but we live our Christian walk like he's showing up tonight, I think we'll be all right. Amen? Let's talk about Social Security. This is most people's, uh, if I could put it this way, Hail Mary. Their, their last hope is going to be Social Security. There are people that maybe are on Social Security tonight. Guess what? You paid for that your whole life. You deserve it. Man, this is not government handout. You worked for it. You paid into it. You deserve every bit and more. Amen. Because uh, they made money off your money all those years. Your Social Security retirement benefit is based off your lifetime earnings in which you paid Social Security taxes. Higher income translates to a bigger benefit. The amount you're entitled to is modified by other factors, most crucially the age at which you claim your benefits. Um, and, and I'll say this, not, not, this is not opinion, but if you don't take your benefits right away, say you're going to continue to work, uh, it can increase the benefits you receive later. But you won't receive them as much, uh, for as much time, if that makes sense. For reference, the estimate, I got this today uh, in 2021, the estimated average Social Security retirement benefit for 2021 is $1,543 a month. That is not including taxes taken out and different fees. The maximum benefit is $3,148 a month for somebody who files Social Security at 2021 at full retirement age. Yet in my years of working with elderly adults finances, and I did it for nine years, I did not see very many people that were making even $1,500 a month. Typically, they were not even making enough to pay their rent. Ideally, Social Security should only be supplemental in your retirement plans. And, uh, and I know there's some that might say, well, I'm on it right now, and that's my only thing right now. Please understand me. I'm not criticizing. What I'm saying is for others that maybe are listening can heed your advice uh, to start making other plans so that when they get to that stage, uh, and, and this is also assuming that Social Security will still be around. It's not a doomsdayer, but I, I sure hope it is. Uh, but I'm not banking on it because I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be around. Uh, currently, all the systems and every government program is so far behind from Medicare. Uh, I don't want to get into politics, but everything is so far behind, and we're in, you know, almost $30 trillion of debt. So I don't know if I can rely in my generation on that. Now, I'll pay into it, and we'll just keep paying into it because, you know, it'd be great, but uh, we got to make other plans, you know. And, and so if you're assuming the, the average, and again, this is people that are, this is taking the highest, the lowest, and, and everybody in between, and just averaging out is $1,500 a month. Now, don't answer this question. It's totally rhetorical. Could you live for the rest of your life off $1,500 a month? Pay all, and don't answer it. It's a rhetorical question. Uh, some of you know, I couldn't, you know. Uh, well, most people would say, no, I can't. The average rent, even here in Carson City, is going to be well over $1,000, closer to two. That's here. That's just rent, not including mortgage, not including anything else. Um, so that doesn't even cover that. Well, how are you going to eat? There's all these things. And this is why some people are super stressed out, and it's understandable, uh, because that's where it currently is. And so I do believe prayer helps, and I do believe God can answer prayers. Amen? All right, let's talk about, so let's go on a little further. We're, 
We're actually close to being done. I got my timer, and I'm holding to it. Amen. 401K, a 401K plan is a retirement savings account that allows an employee to divert a portion of their salary into long-term investments. The available balance in the account at retirement is determined by the contributions made to the plan and the performance of those investments. To take advantage of this program, the employee must make a contribution to it. The employer may even choose to match some portion of the contribution or not. The investment earnings in a traditional 401k plan are not taxed until the employee withdraws the money. Typically, this happens after retirement. After retirement, the account balance is entirely in the hands of the employee. Now, I got a question here we'll answer here in a moment. But if your job offers a 401k, my personal opinion, take it. <laughs> Jump in. Amen. Especially, which leads us to the next question. How much should I put into my 401k? Not, not every job has a 401k. So if you got one, you are blessed because that's going to supplement above and beyond what you're putting into Social Security. That's going to help supplement. Now, you might be on that average making $1,500 a month for your Social Security, but then you also have a 401k that when you hit retirement decides to give you another $1,500. Well, now the situation is looking a little bit better. Okay. Uh, but how much should I put in there? Well, this is completely up to you. But again, if you're planning for your future, you got to think down the road. In my personal opinion, we should at least put in the percentage that your employer is willing to match. If the employer is willing to match 5%, so they take 5% of your income, it's non-taxable, before tax, they're going to take 5% of your income, and they're going to say, we'll get, if you put in 5 we'll put in five and then we'll take that money and we'll invest it and that money will grow in interest and we'll talk about compounding interest in a moment um it's like seeing a hundred dollars on the ground and not picking it up they're offering you free money that is the quickest way to double your money your five percent their five percent equals ten percent plus the investment if you've been working at that job for 20 years or uh, maybe it's that job and you get a new job, you can roll your 401k into the new job and you can continue that and, uh, and you keep getting those matches and they continue, 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 continue. Well, by the time you get to retirement age, uh, that, that, that investment plus what you put in, if nothing else, if they just say you worked at one job for 30 years, 5%, 5%, guess what? Whatever you made in 30 years, you're going to get 10% sitting in that account, and that's at zero interest, zero growth. Amen. So, in other words, if they offer it, take it. Here's another, here's another piece of advice, not saying you have to take it, uh, but if you can. Uh, anytime you get a raise, increase what you put to your 401k. Again, this is, this is totally opinion-based. Do whatever you want. Because you've already learned to live without the raise. W what difference is it going to make? Well, I'll be able to purchase this. Well, when that breaks and you're 70 and you need that money now, uh, again, what would that money have done over 25, 30 years? That 1% that doesn't seem like a lot to you right now, but that 1% in 30 years will make a big difference. Amen. All right. An IRA, an individual retirement account, these are something you have to pursue on your own. In most cases, contributions to a t traditional uh, uh, IRA or individual retirement account 
are tax deductible. In other words, if somebody puts $6,000 a year into an IRA, that person's taxable income decreases by $6,000. However, when they withdraw the money from the account during retirement, these withdrawals are taxed at their ordinary ta income tax rate. To simplify it, if you have an individual retirement account, a traditional, uh, you get a tax break now, but you will pay taxes on it later. Contrary to that is something called a Roth IRA. What makes a Roth IRA unique is that their contributions are not tax deductible. This is money you've already paid taxes on. But qualified distributions are tax-free. So in other words, do I want to pay taxes now or do I want to pay taxes when I hit retirement? That's totally up to you. Maybe you see value in the growth of your account um, and, and being able to invest more. I, that's completely a personal decision. In other words, if you've already paid taxes on the money now, so you don't have to later when you are retired. Your, your, con your contribution to a Roth IRA, IRA after using tax dollars, but you don't face any taxes on investment gains. So if you're thinking it's going to gain a lot and you want to you save yourself from that, this might be the route you go. When you retire, you can withdraw from the account without incurring any income tax on your withdrawals. Another bonus is if you don't need the money, you don't have to take it out of your account. You can still contribute to a Roth IRA as long as you have eligible earned income no matter how old you are. So let's say you are the individual that wants to work until you, until you pass away. Guess what? You can keep investing into this, and it doesn't have mandatory distributions like a traditional would. Um, and so uh, they make you pull it out of the account. And you might be in a great financial position when you're retired. You don't need the money, and you want it to keep growing so that you can get to what we're going to turn to in the next page here in a moment uh, when you want to leave an inheritance. Amen. Okay, how many's heard the term mutual funds? All right. Uh, how many knows what a mutual fund is just by raising their hand? Okay, this is good. Mutual funds are pools of money from the investing public, and they use that money to buy other securities, investments. These are usually stocks and bonds. Uh, the value of the mutual fund company depends on the performance of the securities or the investments that it decides to buy. So when you buy a unit or a share of a mutual fund, you are actually buying the performance of the entire portfolio. So everything that that particular mutual fund invested in. To put it simply, in our modern terms, when you invest in mutual funds, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Because typically a mutual fund, it takes and it has a lot of different investments. Now again, this is not advice. You would have to seek a professional with their licenses to tell you uh, what you might want to do. Um, but then there's the other option. So uh, you've got options. I've got Social Security that's coming for retirement. I've got a 401k that's coming for retirement. I've decided I'm going to put into a, one of the IRAs. Maybe I'm going to put in uh, to a Roth IRA because I want to pay. I don't want to pay taxes later. Um, and now I've gotten the mutual funds or maybe the individual that says, I'm going to get on and invest in GameStop. For those that don't understand what that is, uh, that's, that's millennials investing on Robinhood. Uh, let's talk about stocks and bonds. Buying stocks, the simplest way we could put it, means you are buying very small ownership or equity stake in a company. Investors purchase stocks in a particular company with the belief that the company performs well and the values of the shares will continue 
to increase. If I could just say this, there's a difference between gambling and stocks. And it on, the only difference is if you know what you're doing. <laughs> if not, you are, you might as well go, I'm not saying to do this, but you might as well go down to the nugget and because, because you don't have a clue what's happening. Don't, uh, Warren Buffett says, don't invest in something you don't understand. Yeah, they, they, I heard that they're going to do this nuclear, uh, if you don't understand it, you probably don't want to invest it. That's why Warren Buffett got rich off Coca-Cola, because he drinks a Coke every day, right? Uh, he, he's got, he goes Dairy Queen because he likes it. You know, there's just, we've got to look at it from that standpoint. If you don't understand it, maybe you should get a professional that does, uh, or just maybe that's not for you. Uh, because you can say, for example, in this recent deal, uh, for those that might know it, uh, this, all these young kids on Reddit, which is a, a teen website, got on there and started saying, uh, it started making memes, and they started making jokes about GameStop. Well, anybody that's ever done anything with GameStop knows that you buy a game for $60, you take it, play it for one day, take it back, and you trade it in, and they give you 45 cents for it. So it became a joke. They have uh, a terrible business model that is going down, especially with the modernization of the world where everything's digitally downloaded, that every box store is going to be shut down. And so they made it a meme. Well, what did they do? They started flooding it with little kids going, man, I I'll put $100 new it. I'll put $100 new it. And then there were some other people that had millions of dollars and some billions of dollars said, well, let's do this. Because they knew that they were going to turn around and sell when it gets up here. And all those kids that put in their lunch money lost it. Okay, what happened? They didn't understand what they were doing. And they just thought, well, you just make money. That's not how this works. Okay, meanwhile, let's talk about bonds. Okay, how many of you heard bonds? Not James Bond. Bonds. The difference between stocks and bonds, stocks are when you buy equity or ownership in a company. Bonds are when you basically buy their debt. So the companies have got to take loans from somebody so they can fund their business, and you are banking on them paying their debts back. There are U.S. Treasury bonds. You're trusting in the government at a set rate to pay you back for the debt you purchased. And so bondholders essentially are lending money with interest to a company. You have become the credit card company when you are a bondholder. Again, not saying that's the direction you should go uh, because there is always the option. The company tanks, your stocks are gone. The other option is you buy their debt, the company tanks, they can't pay back the debt, you're out. Okay. Let's talk about compound interest, and we're coming to a close here. Compound interest is when you deposit or invest money into a savings account or a similar account. You'll usually receive interest uh, based on the amount that you deposit. I will just say this. Putting your money into a standard savings account will not really do a whole lot. Uh, they are not giving interest right now. Um, the banks are just printing money. They're not desperate for yours. Okay, let's look at what compound interest does. For example, if you deposit $1,000 in an account that gives you 1% annual percentage yield, so interest per year, if I could break it down, you'd get $10 in interest after a year, right? Simple math, $1,000, 1%, $10. But compound interest, to put it simply, is interest on your interest, money on the money that made you money, all right? So in the above example, in year two, let's say you're still at 1%, you have now $1,010, you'd now make $10.10 .10 in interest of paid out payouts. 
Compound interest accelerates your investment earnings, helping your savings grow more quickly. And as time passes, you'll earn interest on ever larger account balances that have grown with the help of interest uh, earned over the prior years. So it stacks and it stacks and it stacks. And it starts to do what we talk about when paying off debt. It starts to snowball, but this time it's in your favor. Okay, I put a graph here uh, on the side. And this is just an estimation that if you were to start with $1,000 over 30-year period and every year you just put in $100 a month over 30 years, you see that bottom line? Again, it's real small. That is the amount of money you put in. Okay? And this is just at 6%, which if you can find 6% for that much time, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, somebody asked the question, I got it here. They go, what's, what's better, a, a you know, Roth IRA or a mutual fund or a, or a money market? Well, let me answer it right now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, one, one could give you tax benefits, or two of them give you tax benefits. Let me just say this, money market, that's just a fancy name banks give you for giving you no money. Uh, <laughs> so it's their market with your money. <laughs> Um, but, but what's better, a mutual fund, I, I don't really know. There's, this is a personal, with whatever, whatever your deal is. But ultimately, who's giving you the biggest return? Okay? But if you look at that graph, you see that straight line. That's just how much you put in. What is it? It's consistent. It's $1,200 it's, it's, uh, $1, a year. It's $100 a month. Every month you put it in. Boom, boom, boom. And guess what? That money just grows. Okay? But you see that little curve? Uh, usually it was flipped upside down. That was the learning curve. You know, just, um, <laughs> everybody got smarter. I just went down. Okay, uh, but that that curve, guess what? On about you know forty five, thirty forty five thousand dollars of your money that you put in over that period of time, it will have gained and got you about a hundred and ten thousand dollars. That is the power of compound interest. It works in reverse when you're in debt. Every month, you're borrowing 100 bucks a month at 6%, if you're getting 6%. And guess what? Let, let's break this in terms that people would understand. $100 a month is uh, a, would be a crazy great car payment, right? Right? Who would love to have a $100 a month car payment? Well, guess what? Let's say you're $100 and you're at 6%, and you pay off that car, five-year loan, and it breaks. You buy another $100. And it happens 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. How much did you really pay for your cars? For those cars, you paid about $110,000, give or take. Okay, so how do I calculate whether or not an investment is worth it to me? Well, my, something my grandpa taught me a long time ago is called the rule of 72. For those that aren't great at math, I put it in there for you. It's a simple trick. Again, it's not the full, you get your TI-83 calculator out, and you could do it better than this. But it's a simple trick to estimate how long an investment would take to double your money at a given rate. There's some people right now, they're in the debt paying off. This is just, they don't even care about this right now. But hold on to this. You might need it once you pay off your debts. But, uh, for example, if you get a 6% interest rate, which is pretty hard to do, uh, how many years would it take to double your money? It doesn't matter how much money you put in there. So some people think, I have to have a million dollars to make money. No, you don't. You just have to have a good rate, and you have to consistently put in and let the interest compound. So... What do we do? We take 72 and divide it by the interest rate, 6%, which means in 12 years, doesn't matter how much I put in there, if I got 6% for 12 years, I will have doubled my money, which means if I put in over six years, I was able to put in 
uh, I was able to put in a million dollars. I would that'd be great. <laughs> I would double my money. I have two. Okay. Let's say I put in a thousand dollars over twelve years. Guess what? I would end up having two thousand dollars. All right. Which does what means what? When you get ready to retire, you want compound interest working in your favor. Okay. Let's read. Let's read this. Proverbs thirteen eleven in the NLT. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. The person that does anything, whether you're talking about money or they're living for God and they're having prayer life, they're reading their Bible, the person that does something great once in a while will never exceed the person that just does something incremental. Amen? It's the person that, it's the one, because if you were to look at this graph, I, I, I thought about putting it in there, I didn't want to. But let's just say after 20 years, I decided to put in a big chunk of $50,000. By the end of that year 30, who would have more money? It would be the person that put in $100 a month because they were consistent about it. Also, let me just say this. The Bible relates money to wealth and to, or the Bible relates money and wealth to sowing seeds. You must plant it when it's small, water it, nurture it, and it will grow over time. This is the biblical precedent. Let it grow. The power of compound interest and financial consistency, consistency cannot be overstated. If you are looking at retiring and you want to retire ever in your life, even if you started today, you would be better off than to not start at all. Let's talk about leaving an inheritance and we're done. Leaving an inheritance, it is a very harsh reality that we will all pass away one day. We've all dealt with loss, especially in this last year. Nobody wants to talk about it. But when we go to be with Jesus, hopefully you make it with Jesus. You lived a life that was worthy of salvation. We're going to leave everybody else here on earth. You may be leaving a spouse, kids, grandkids, a dog, a cat, something. But the real question is, what are you leaving them with? One of the major themes in the entire Bible is inheritance. The rich young ruler came and asked Jesus about inheritance. The promise of Abraham was an inheritance. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 22, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. We are called to leave an inheritance well, some people say, well, pastor, I don't think any of this matters. You know, I'm debt free. I got all this stuff. I'm doing just fine. I don't think any of this matters. Uh, I don't have anybody or anything. You know, I, to, to, I, don't, I don't need to leave an inheritance to anything or anybody. Well, I, I, would, I would beg to differ. There's a lot of things you can do. I know of a man that in Brother Holmes' church that set up, and he, he was living right and doing everything correct, and he was investing, and to the day he died, he set it up that his inheritance would forever pay tithe and offering and building fund. And it's been 30-something years. And his kid's inheritance still does that. What, what ended up happening? He was able to set up an inheritance for his kids, 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 kids. We always have something we can do. So we must have our orders in our, our life and our orders and affair, our affairs in order because life is short. This may include life insurance. I'm not suggesting, but... It can include life insurance, retirement accounts, property, rental income, other assets, so on and so forth. Leave something valuable to the ones that you care about. Amen. Uh, even in studying for this, 
and, and even putting in that in there, uh, the reason I put that in there, because it's important to me. Well, pastor, everybody said it since day one. You're so young, but I don't know how many years I got left on earth. My dad lived to 47, and he left me with a bill. <laughs> but I have to think about it. What would my wife do? And what will my future kids do? I have to think about what would the church do? So, guess what? I'm starting to do some research myself. Amen. We all have to think, what will we leave behind us when we go? Got a few questions uh, as we close here tonight. Oh, we got another one. Great. What's better if you own property, a will or a trust? Well, you could write a will on a piece of napkin. A trust costs you money. You have to determine whether or not you can upkeep it, whether you can pay for it. Um, again, if all you did was leave a beneficiary on your accounts, it depends on how intense your situation is. If you own a lot of property and, and you want to do that, you've got the money to maintain a trust, a uh, living trust, or whatever the case may be, that might be great. Uh, but no matter what it is, I've seen people get wrapped up in something called probate. We don't have time to talk about uh, here today, but uh, where, where it was not clear on who was to take the money, what was happening to the money, um, and so it ended up just going to the courts anyways. But, but if the least you do is put somebody on your accounts that you trust or that you want to receive money when you pass away, I think you did a good thing. You left them something, and if nothing, if nothing else, you just left them without work to do. Man, have we, I know all of us have had some work to do with somebody that passed away, and it's not fun. Um, and so already answered a lot of those. Got one more question. Amen. Can I have a professional go over my previous years to see if I have overpaid taxes in the past. Yes, you can. Just ask them what their fee is first. Because <laughs> you, you might end up with a bill and you didn't receive anything back. Amen? Hallelujah. Got a few other questions. Uh, do I tithe on inheritance and offerings? Well, let's go to this next question. Do I pay tithe on income tax? Uh, let's, let's get to the first one. Do I pay tithe and offering on inheritance and offerings? The question is, was it an increase? Anything that's increased, then Yes. Uh, do I pay tithe on income tax? Well, if you tithe pre-tax, then no. If you didn't, then yes. <laughs> Amen. And finally, last question I got, is it possible to refinance a student loan at a lower interest rate? Potentially, yes. So look into it. Amen. Let's stand across the building and lift up our hands. Let's pray. I, I think that this month we had a lot of, a lot of subjects. Hopefully those pamphlets help you. But let's pray because I, I really do believe that God wants to redeem the whole of man. And there's people that maybe the reason you're struggling so much is because you have financial pressures. And God wants to help you with that. And God is bringing wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And I pray right now for each and every household that's represented in this church. Regardless of the situation and regardless of where they're at in life, God. I'm praying right now that you would take this information, God. I put my time and effort into it to hopefully bring the best that I could. Praying, God, that you'd touch each and every individual. God, that we would glean something from this so we can be wise stewards of what you've given to us, that we can be just and we can walk rightly before you. Amen. God, I'm praying for each and every family that you would bring a special blessing over to them. Maybe there's some debts they're trying to pay off, and this month they've been thinking about it. I pray, God, that you would bring extra special blessings. And every extra amount, they'd take it and they would snowball their debts down. Maybe there, there's a position and there's a person that's saying, God, I, I want to look towards retirement. I don't know what to do. God, would you give them more wisdom 
in understanding, God. Whatever the case may be, whatever the situation might be, we are asking, God, that you would bless us and help us because we cannot do it without you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for coming and being attentive. I hope it was a blessing to you. You can take these pamphlets if you missed week one.